Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Slow Conversations with Fields and Ferns. We are your hosts, Alicia and Ancilla, and together we run the sustainable fashion brand Fields and Ferns here in London. For those of you who have not tuned in before, we started this podcast to spread environmental positivity and to learn more about the ways in which we as individuals can practice sustainable living. Every couple of weeks, we invite inspiring individuals from not only the UK, but all over the world who implement sustainability into their businesses to leverage change and make a positive impact on the environment. On this week's episode, we are interviewing Radhika Sranivasavan, the co-founder of Ecotextura, an environmentally conscious medical PPE supplier. Ecotextura is creating its own environmentally friendly medical personal protective equipment, providing PPE made from non-woven fibers that are naturally sourced. They couldn't have picked a better year to launch given the need for protective equipment like masks during this global pandemic. We are so happy that she took the time out of her busy day to speak with us. So without further ado, Radhika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to hear more about you and your business. So for those of you who don't know, Radhika is the founder of a startup called Ecotextura. Yeah, and we wanted to just start off by asking you, what is Ecotextura and where did the idea to start the brand come from? Brilliant. Yeah. So my name is Radhika and I am the CEO and founder of Ecotextura. The company was um, founded last year, towards the end of last year, so pre-pandemic. However, the concept, uh, which I will later explain, started five, six, seven years ago. So before I went to university, as I was growing up. So Ecotextura is a sustainable PPE company. We produce our own. We're in the R&D research and development stages of producing our own sustainable PPE, which can either be recycled or biodegraded after use and after being sterilized. And we, we just, to be honest, I'll start by saying we can't believe the year we've just had and how it's highlighted that the work we're doing and the concept that we had so many years ago is so important and should really, really be explored upon and invested in. So where did it start? It was about six years ago. And when I was growing up, I was always in and out of hospital because I had my, I had a lot of problems at my knees. So I was always getting CT scans. I was always getting MRI scans. And whenever I went, the nurse always used to give me two patient gowns to wear one from the front and one from the back obviously for modesty reasons and in my head I just thought this is so inefficient and I always I always was a bit of an engineer I think growing up so I just thought this is so inefficient surely there's a way to make this a bit more like design friendly patient friendly and then I got researching and I saw that these patient gowns were often, they, they were reusable, which is great, but they were washed at incredibly high temperatures with very harmful chemicals, rewashed multiple times. And if even if a drop of blood uh, spilt on them, then they'd be sent away to be thrown away and then incinerated. Wow, that's so much waste. I'm wondering if you could just speak a bit more about the waste that you saw involved in this whole process. So the whole process I researched and I found that it was incredibly harmful to the environment. And I thought in my head, you know, there must be a way to make this a lot more efficient and a bit more friendly for the environment and the people wearing them as well. So then I went on to research the fabrics that they were made out of and also found a paper that said gowns that were reused, sometimes they weren't washed properly. And this raised a lot of problems in contamination. And I thought, yeah, you know what, let's, 
make a design for these gowns and these non-woven fabrics that we can use for them that's disposable and mitigates the whole you know cross-contamination um, risk that gowns currently have and then we and then I grew up a bit more I actually joined UCL and LSE and did a um, degree and a master's in mechanical engineering with business finance it was such a um, such an incredible degree and in my third year, which is my bachelor's year, I decided to pick the topic of designing my own PPE materials and fabrics and designing a new gown, a new patient gown. And so that was my entire year that I dedicated to that. And that's where I came up with basically the fundamentals of Ecotextura. And then from there, I entered a competition with my new gown design and my new material design. So my material that Ecotextura are currently doing our research and development work on is a non-woven fabric. So it's just made of fibers, which are processed and, you know, bonded together. They're naturally sourced and they can come with a fluid resistant coating as well if needed. So they can be used in masks and shoe covers and hair nets in patient gowns and surgical gowns and most non-woven PPEs across the uh, medical field. So with this idea, I, I entered a competition at university and I pitched to the UCL Entrepreneur Society, and but I, I won the pitch and the funding and the whole competition for that year. So I was um, sitting on funding wow. now. Yeah, which is, oh, it was, it was such a great experience as well. I got really good feedback, which I noted down, but then I sold my soul to the city. I was in London and an amazing opportunity came to work as a stockbroker. So then for a year and a half, I was a stockbroker, you know, doing all my finance exams whilst I was sat on the funding and this incredible concept. And last summer, in July, I took took the leap and thought, you know what, I'm young, I don't have a family, I luckily don't have, sorry, kids, I, I don't have a family that depends on me too much. And I thought, you know what, why not? Let me just, just you know, just take the risk and have a startup mm -hmm. and start researching this and see how things go. So then I quit my job. I started Ecotextura. I got researching into a lot of IP and design work. I made samples. I worked with a lab and we got some samples ordered of some new non-woven fabrics. I got to know about the industry and the products more. And then we came into a pandemic. And yeah, so timely brand. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. It's it's the most unexpected timeline of events. And at that point, unfortunately, the factories that we were working with, they switched to making existing PPE because they had so many orders, you know, for existing three-ply masks and nitrile gloves and gowns, etc. So our project was kind of put on the back burner. And mm -hmm we thought, you know what, well, we have so much, so many good resources and a great logistics, you know, system set up and we, we have, we have the knowledge. Why don't we just act and do something right now? And it was March when I think we started, you know, going into our lockdown period and we thought, you know what, let's just get a load of fabric. We know that cotton masks are great for reusable masks. Let's just start sewing some masks locally. And the word got out and then I was I found myself in the uh, local newspaper because we were sewing 
three ply, like three three layers of cotton, reusable masks, and giving them out for free to the elderly, the vulnerable, some carers as well who desperately needed it. And the masks weren't available in um, the markets or in supermarkets at the time. So that's how we kind of got the word out locally. It was all all charity. We got so many donations for fabric and money to buy supplies, which was in- incredibly, incredibly thoughtful. I think everyone just, you know, pulled themselves together and said, like, how can we help? And then from there, a lot of medical centers wanted us to procure existing PPE for them as well, just because they wanted someone local, someone they could trust. And that's how we established Ecotextura and our response to COVID this year. So we've been supplying existing PPE, doing the research and development for our sustainable non-woven fabrics to be used in PPE in the future. And in addition to that, we've also been making our own disposable and reusable lip reading clear masks. So these are masks which um, have a clear panel in the middle for the deaf and hard of hearing. So uh, (laughs) very long story, very intense. It's It's not even a year since we've had this startup, but that's been our journey so far such a busy year for you (laughs) it's it's so transformative I mean obviously for very horrible reasons but we're so glad that we could just be there for people well it's just I wanted to go back on the point where you had this brilliant idea and then you got sucked into the London life and then you had the courage to quit your job and to start Ecotextura how how did you muster the courage to do that I mean that must have been really scary for you. Mm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. I mean, you have to understand that a job in finance, I mean, it does pay well. You feel very secure there. However, I mean, things can change easily. The markets can easily change and nothing is fully, fully secure. And that was always in the back of my mind. In addition to, I think that the kind of person that I am, I love to explore and will always I feel like there comes a point whenever you stay at a certain place where you know, oh, I think I've I think I've maxed out on my experiences in this place. I think it's time for another adventure, another journey. And I actually, I, I think that's what mm-hmm. I went through back then. But I, I made sure I got to a point where I saved enough money to make that leap. Otherwise, I would not mm-hmm. feel, I would not feel secure to do that. So I, I'm so grateful that my previous job allowed me to save that kind of money. I'm wondering. If you could talk to us a bit more about some of the challenges and barriers in regards to sustainability that you've encountered along the way. Yeah, of course. So I think the the biggest barrier that we faced is if we were to introduce our new products which are which contain natural fibers and can be recycled or, or industrially composted after use and after being sterilized. Do the does our target market such as the NHS or do the medical centers, do they have these facilities in place to process this or send these off uh, to be processed? And the answer is no, not yet. So currently all the medical centers we know, they have contracts with waste collection agencies that basically take all the medical waste, keep it in a confined bag or a, a protected bag, and then they incinerate it directly so that these contracts are already in place and we need to as a company find a way and in theory we have found a way that our products are a lot more cost effective reduce a lot less waste use a lot less energy to process and are just better for the environment that the 
the, the, than the products and the PPE that hospitals are currently using now. So it's kind of like it's a lock-in system that we're trying to break. And that's been one of the um, hardest aspects of sustainability with regards to our customers that we've kind of had to break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's quite a challenge. I'm talking to you now, I can sense that you have such a passion with design and your supply chain and finding innovative ways and trying to, you know, make it more sustainable. I was just wondering how sustainability came about into your life. How did you become passionate about it? And yeah, how, where, where did it start? Why is it important? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good question. I think you might be surprised by the answer. I, I was thinking about this earlier today. I definitely was not an eco-warrior or anyone who, you know, was that interested in sustainability growing up. I think I definitely, I mean, living in London as well, definitely lived, you know, the the fast life, a new outfit most weeks, loved going shopping to Selfridges and, you know, just consumption, consumption, consumption. And I got through to my later years in life and especially when I started doing the research into patient gowns and how much waste we actually produced and starting to learn all the facts when I was doing my thesis. I think that was a turning point for me where I thought, oh, Radhika, like, come on, you can't be looking anymore. <laughs> it's just so, it's just so unsustainable and very selfish. And I feel like your your direction in life is a lot better suited to helping others. And, you know, you, you've been so lucky, you have great resources with you. So why not do that? And I think that was such a, a turning point. And I think more so the pandemic has showed us how, how, little we actually need to consume to survive and to enjoy ourselves so yeah I, I think that was definitely it and now I'm, I'm so passionate about it and I love reading about it I love seeing companies such as yours do so well and have a, have a huge focus on it and I don't know maybe you guys agree that for now we need to have more companies where the sole focus is sustainability until we get to a point where sustainability is the norm and is spoken about as we speak about you know gaining value for shareholders or profitability it's as important as revenue growth so yeah that that's my that's my view and i do think that we've after talking to a couple other brands out there that there is a common theme that people didn't always start out you know sometimes people are born into sustainability if your parents are advocating sustainability then you grew up advocating sustainability but for most of us I think that's not the case Mm -hmm. I mean it is such a newer concept nowadays and Mm. you do develop it along the way along your life and you encounter things as you grow up that remind you of the possibility to be a more sustainable person and it's Mm. either you take it and move forward with it or you choose to ignore it Mm. and I think it shouldn't scare you to actually you know, because I find sometimes people would be scared to start a sustainable brand, feeling like they're not good enough. That they're, they're a not, poser. Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. a poser, which is yeah not true because you do keep learning along the way. And it's the little impacts, the little things that you do every single day that would eventually create a more systemic change within our society how are you what are what are some of the small things you do in your daily life now that you do have the sustainable brand but how have you taken sustainability into your personal life I've definitely reduced the amount of consumption I think that's that's the main thing for me 
in the sense that I've shopped so much less for general items. I've also tried to, you know, repair as many items as I can. I remember a few days during the lockdown where I obviously I was sewing masks with my sewing machine upstairs. I ended up sewing hundreds and together we ended up sewing thousands wow. and donating those. So I my passion for sewing came back. And during this time I felt a bit more confident to repair my family's items of clothing. My friend even bought over her dog toys that her dog had just completely chewed up and ruined and I repaired those as well. So mm-hmm. I think um, learning to not be so, you know, linear with the, with the model where you use and dispose, but making sure you go and find the resources to actually repair some of the things that you own. Another really cool thing, which I think is going to be a habit that will stick, is usually the problem with fast fashion is that you end up buying it because you don't see those designs anywhere. These fast fashion companies, they're so good at just quickly, you know, finding a design and getting it made with their resources yeah. and having it already advertised and out there in like a, a matter of, in, in a week sometimes or in a matter of days. And right. I've fallen into this, yeah, you probably agree. I've fallen into this trap so much and seen an incredible top that I've seen a celebrity wear and I want it immediately and I buy it. However, over the course of this lockdown, I mean, I've seen some, incredible clothes that I'd love to own but instead I've sketched out my own designs and found a local seamstress who I'm working and and she's a fashion designer as well who I'm working with to get this top made Mm -hmm. and tailored to me so I'm more likely to uh, use it repair it if anything happens and keep it for a longer time so I think I'll start doing that with most of my clothes or designs that I have in my head of clothes that I'd love to wear yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> we want to round back on how Ecotexture is dealing with the pandemic as well. Mm. And we know we've read some news about it and that for every one pound that you make, you donate one mask. So could you tell us a little bit more about that and how the response has been, how it works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. So we did that basically towards the start and the initial few days and weeks of lockdown, where obviously everyone was at home, they didn't know what was going on, but there was something in them that just wanted to, you know, help. And at the time, luckily, we we had access to a lot of fabrics that we were already making masks with. But I had a lot of friends and some people who had read a local newspaper, newspaper article that we were in saying, hey, how can we help? Like, can we at least give money towards fabric and resources and stuff small businesses that you're getting these fabrics from will also be struggling so let's just help out with that so we did all the cost calculations and we figured out the cost to procure the fabrics sew the mask and also distribute the mask and get them delivered to various places especially in Milton Keynes and then where we're based and then across the UK some people requested them to be posted we we calculated to be on average like one pound a mask and then these everyone just started flooding in their donations and we ended up making and distributing as I mentioned before a thousand three hundred masks I believe and still ongoing we still have um, a few people requesting masks now and we're more than happy to help I mean it's the least we can do we have we have the resources and it, it, it actually doesn't take too much effort to sew a standard mask as well which we found out so and the research shows that mask wearing does significantly help reduce the spread. So we go with the science on this. Amazing. Continuing to just speak about the pandemic, I guess our final question is, how do you suggest that we become better individuals to help during this pandemic? I mean, you're you're doing so much already, 
but yeah, how can we as individuals, you know, mm. fight for fight the pandemic and help our communities? Yeah, and- coming into the second lockdown, I think we yeah. all need to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so right. I'm sure there's so many things that we could be doing, so many things we could come up with ourselves. But I, I say first and foremost, you know, take care of yourself because getting through this year is achievement enough. So once you feel good about yourself and secure about yourself, then and only then, you know, start branching out, considering other things, because you should really come first, especially in a year like this. And then just go out and research. I think research is probably the the best thing you can do. Is there any organizations locally that you can help with that are also, you know, sustainable or even food banks in the local area? When we talk about sustainability, we also need to consider that you know the resources are getting to the right people and it's fair and and that also comes down with food there's a lot of people that don't have enough you know food for their children and food for their families so donate to local food banks if you can or volunteer there if you can and there'll be uh, social distancing measures and safety measures in place I'm sure but in addition to that just I think do your research and have a little bit of self-control before you order things online. I know that will be a big, I know that will be a huge trap for most of us. We're sat at home, we'll be scrolling through Amazon or you know a lot of fast fashion houses will have uh, a lot of deals going on just to get rid of their surplus stock for the season. I think having a little bit of self-control and not buying as much online and you know cooking your own meals at home. I think I think we we are going towards a more sustainable direction. I think as I mentioned before this lockdown has shown just how much less we need to consume to have comfortable lives. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I I hope everyone deals with it in in the best way that they can and doesn't have information overload and also takes time to just, you know, think about their mental health and their next few actions and becomes a well-rounded individual. I think that's such good advice. I think, yeah, we all need to hear it going into the second lockdown. Mm -hmm. It's so important to take care of yourself, but also you know, we really want to fight this virus. So mm-hmm. let's keep working <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah. Just know that, I mean, at the end of the day, we are all in this together, really. I know mm-hmm. that has been said many times, but I think it's mm-hmm. something that still helps me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the whole world is mm-hmm. fighting this together. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that some people, you know, have a few more resources and have better lives than others. And I guess it's in your own to understand that realize that and even play that forwards if you can yeah that's so true Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well radika thank you so much for being on the podcast eco texture is doing so many amazing things Mm -hmm. it's such a timely business and i wish you nothing but the best going forward i'm so excited to see what you and your brand do (laughs) oh thank you so much thank you so much for having me you guys doing incredible things as well well thank you so much and we will speak soon take care take care bye bye